0: Welcome to the 1001 Travel Tales Podcast, where seasoned travelers share their stories. Your hosts, Shoba George of Just Go Places and Rachel Heller of Rachel's Ruminations.
1: Today, we're here with Rina May Acosta who is an American expat living in the Netherlands. She writes that, finding Dutchland about her Dutch to reality. And she's also got a new book out called The Happiest Kids in the World, which we would love to hear about because she claims that Dutch kids are the happiest kids in the world, according to a UN survey. Is that it? UNICEF. UNICEF. Yes. And I want to hear what makes them so happy.
0: Yeah, well, Rachel uh, is another American
1: living in the Netherlands. So you probably have very similar experiences coming from Oh, yeah. An American background and raising children. Both of you have raised children in the Netherlands.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'm just at
1: the very tail
0: end of the teenage years. Oh, wow. I, yeah. And Mina, you're uh, at the opposite. You're at the preschool years.
2: I'm at the baby and I might even have another one. So
0: Oh, fun. You make cute babies.
2: <laughs> I'm, thank you. I'm right in the beginning of it, basically.
0: Early motherhood. Yeah. You're just approaching some of these things about raising children in Holland that are very different. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, very different. And it can be quite shocking to Americans, can't
2: it? I'm convinced that one of the best kept secrets of the Netherlands is actually how they got childhood right. And I think that's incredible because a lot of the time, especially in our modern culture, we forget that children are actually just children, but we treat them like miniature adults. So we have all these expectations of them. And oftentimes, not surprisingly, they're going to fail. I love how the Dutch have a pragmatic view of it. It's not necessarily that they spoil their children, but that they allow their children to be children and create a structure, a societal structure, that enables them to grow and to learn and to become the adults that they do become.
0: Well, it's interesting because you say it's allowing them to be children, but at Mm -hmm. the same time, it's also allowing them far more independence and decision-making power than children get at home in the States, I think. That's true, too, Yeah, Uh, about sexuality when they're teenagers, for example.
1: Yeah, I Um, remember Rachel being a little shocked that your son has his girlfriend over regularly and they just come on down for breakfast whenever they feel like it.
0: it (laughs) He doesn't actually stay over that often, but it's okay for her to go on upstairs with him in his room where Americans, if the kid's boyfriend or girlfriend is there, you stay nearby because they're not allowed to be alone. And the door stays open.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
0: and it's so unpragmatic and also unrealistic. I mean, think back to when you were a teenager, (laughs) how much (laughs) happened anyway that your parents just never knew about, right? It basically sets up a situation where kids have to lie to their parents. Well, here, you know, they don't have to lie.
2: No, not at all. And it actually, my child is starting his first year of preschool and he's going to get his first lesson in sexuality education, which I'm totally excited about because at that age, starting at the age of four, he's going to be five, but four and a half, five, they're going to start learning about feelings and what is appropriate and what is not an appropriate places to touch. And I find that incredibly wonderful because you create a culture where it's open and it makes the children realize that sex is actually a natural part and they actually create pride and self-respect rather than creating shame.
1: I think that's very interesting because... In the US, there is something very similar with little children, but it's more towards stranger danger. It's less emphasis on the positive aspect of what's appropriate, not appropriate, and more on the, oh, stranger danger, run. But the reality is, though, most of those unfortunate cases aren't actually
2: strangers, but the people that the children are surrounded by. And so what I appreciate about the Dutch approach, the pragmatic approach about it, is to be able to allow children to understand what is right and wrong. And to build the self-confidence to talk to their parents or teachers that something did happen.
0: Yeah, exactly. And as they get older, they, of course, get more explicit about what they teach Mm -hmm. about sexuality. In biology class in the first or second year of secondary school, so when they're 12 or 13, the teacher uses a model and puts a condom on it in front of the class. I'm trying not to be too explicit about it. Like a real person model? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The shape. Oh, okay, okay. The banana. okay. The the banana. okay. The appro- it's not a banana. It's I will- of the appropriate shape. Oh, That's right. Okay. Yeah. okay,
1: okay. It's like and a dildo, I don't know right? how liberal and you I'm all are. i
0: not to say dildo here. It's oh,
2: okay. <laughs> <laughs> the correct anatomical figure. Okay. It's like okay. this standing on the
0: counter and he demonstrates or she demonstrates how to put the condom onto it in front of a classroom full of 12, 13-year-olds. And of course, I'm sure there's lots of giggling around it, but they learn how to do the thing properly. And they're taught about all sorts of other issues around sexuality and about saying no if you want to say no and saying yes if you want to say yes and how to keep safe and how to protect yourself from pregnancy and STDs. And it's wonderful.
2: Incredible is that children are allowed to be children, but they're also encouraged to be independent. They're definitely not spoiled. Doing chores is a big thing, like helping around the house. They're expected to actually clean up after themselves at age-appropriate times. I know it sounds all perfect and everything, but it's just a pragmatic way of doing things. Like if you let children do their chores early on, it's not going to be a big deal
0: when they're actually old enough to know that they're supposed to help around the house. And if you ever come to Holland, you'll see kids at quite a young age on bicycles. They learn to bicycle at about four. And they'll bicycle with the parent, of course, when they're that little, but starting it. I know my daughter was going to school on her own at nine on her bicycle, and it wasn't that nearby either. And she was going off on her own, and that's normal there. It's allowing them to get themselves to school. She would take herself to field hockey as well, and that's fine. That independence is important.
1: The Dutch seem to encourage independence, but there's also a value, it seems, placed on the family unit where fathers and mothers are encouraged to participate In the
0: family. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Life Um, together. Much more common here than in many other countries to work part time. Okay. and Even dads. Even dads (laughs) will work part time. And you'll often have, when the kids are younger, like your kid's age, Mm -hmm. they might go to a sort of nursery school twice a week. But then on the other days, the mom might watch them for a day or two. And the father might watch them for a day or two. And that's fine. And that's normal. And the father's employer doesn't give him grief that he's, not fully
1: committed to the job? No, you not like, at all. That's like such no. a refreshing so, approach.
2: And mind you, these are professional fathers from, yes. from all different types of yes. levels. You have basically part-time surgeons, part-time lawyers, a lot of part-time teachers, part-time consultants. Whatever you want to do, you are able to work part-time. And it's, if you're not able to work part-time, you can have this thing called working from home. So technically, you're paid for full five days. But one of those five days, you're at home. And the reality is you're really taking care of the children. But then you're making up for the lost time later on at night or when the children are asleep.
0: Or in the weekends or whatever. On the weekends. Comes.
1: How many weeks do you get off for vacation a year? Is um, it like the Germans where they get like six to eight weeks? I think it's five. A little bit more. Is
2: at at the minimum more than eight weeks? It depends on the company. But they basically get about seven to eight
1: weeks of vacation. Wow. Is that in addition to employed, national public holidays or including? Excluding national public holidays. yeah, But it's useful to know that there's like seven weeks plus national holidays, which means that in addition to your potentially working from home or being more involved with your child's life in other ways, you also have a good chunk of time that you can have as family time on vacation. Mm -hmm.
0: And people go on vacation with their kids for long periods of time. And the most popular places I would say are Spain and France because Dutch people miss the sun. So they get in their cars and they go where they know they'll get some sun
1: (laughs) or Italy. Yeah, Rita, you go to Italy a lot, don't you?
2: Yeah, almost every single year. (laughs) Also emphasizes that the Dutch do go on holiday, but what I love about it, and I really appreciate this being a young family, is that they've learned to also go on vacations according to what they can afford it doesn't all have to be luxurious and glamorous they're pretty pragmatic about it like they'll go on camping holidays if you go around europe traveling around chances are if you see someone hauling a trailer the plates are going to be dutch
0: <laughs> they set it up at a campground somewhere in the north of italy or the south or of france. France. or wherever or in france yeah and they'll stay there for weeks mm-hmm. in this campground the kids will run wild and swim in the lake or in the ocean and they have a home base in this caravan yeah and it's not that expensive Exactly. They're
2: able to still understand that it's really not how much you spend, but the quality of time you spend together as a family. So that's their real focus when they go away on vacation. And maybe if you're like a young family you can't afford a lot, camping can go a long way. That's what the children remember the most growing up. What they remember is the time they actually spent with their family doing family
1: things. Yes, exactly. And they don't remember the place very much. No, no. <laughs> All hotels kind of blend into one. It doesn't matter so yeah. much as the actual experience of doing something.
2: Yeah, we go every year to Italy because I made kind of a mistake of going to Cinque Terre the first time around when I first arrived in Europe. And because I made that mistake, I always want to go back.
1: <laughs> I have it is never beautiful. been there. You've been there? I've been there, yes. And I was surprised that you took kids there because it's quite rocky. As beautiful <laughs> as it is, it is quite rocky and it's not a place that you can let children run wild because then they'll just fall off the edge of a cliff, no? Or am I just Actually, being an American crazy mother? <laughs>
2: I'm A little bit of both, but I think that's because there's five villages, right? That's yes. why it's called Cinque Terre. The village that we ended up in and that we go to every single year, and I would think it's actually a beautiful and safe place to bring your children, is called Monterosso Almare. Yes, it's pretty. It's actually the biggest one. And the hotel we would stay in is called Villa Steno. It's set up on the cliffs. And I think what most people don't realize about the Cinque Terre is that it really still is a village atmosphere. Our little boy, who's been there already five times, because it's a real village, would probably think only a population of 1,300 locals. They actually recognize who are the foreigners and who are the tourists. And especially when it comes to children, the Italians love, absolutely love children. They go crazy over children. So believe it or not, whenever a child is there, there's actually eyes on the children. They're not stalking you as much as they're very aware of who the children are. So at all times, it kind of feels like the children are still able to run around because the locals know the children, even the tourist children, like my boy, they know him. They've already known him the second time when we came back, they recognized the little boy.
0: (laughs) Yep. I haven't been to Chicotera, but I've been in other parts of Italy. And I do remember that people love seeing children and they're happy to have children in the restaurant and very tolerant of the noise they make. What Mm -hmm. is it
1: about the Chicotera that draws you each year? There's not just one thing. It's also the food. If you love seafood,
2: you would really, really love the Cinque Terre, especially if you know where to go, too. And I love how there's not that many difference in price point. If you know where to go, you can eat really, really well. Again, what I love about it is the community feeling, like they really do know each other. For that short time that we're there for two weeks, we feel like we're really part of them. I love that because you often don't get that anymore. A lot when you travel, you're more like an outsider, right? But in Tinquatera, like in Monterosso al Mare, you feel like just going back to the same bar for the third night. You already become really good friends with these people, and then they'll actually remember you. So when you come back, even two or three years later, they'll say hi and talk about that time that you spent with
1: each other. Nice. nice. Yeah, that's a really nice feeling to yeah. feel like you belong somewhere.
2: And also just to let you know about the children in the Cinque Terre, there's actually playgrounds scattered all throughout the five villages too. In terms of beaches, Monte Mare is the only one with a real beach and I would highly recommend, we always stay in the old part, Hotel Villas mm-hmm. but we do make the 10 to 15 minute trek all the way to the new part because it's like really nice, well, not really nice beaches, but there's a lot more variety. I like the calmer water.
1: And yeah, I've seen of pictures of you just, put the children on, in backpacks and walk with them. You go hiking a lot.
2: Yeah. We put the toddlers on the backpacks, like a real good solid one. Yes. And just go on the trail. Bring plenty of water, of course. I would recommend if you really have your heart set on going on a trail with a toddler or baby to leave at like eight o'clock, seven 30 in the morning to beat the crowd and then to beat the hot sun. Because by 10 o'clock, even if you go in May,
0: it can get really, really hot. Yeah, We used to do that with my son. There's a big age difference between our kids. Our daughter's five and a half years older than our son. So she was walking, but he was in the backpack. Yeah, it takes some strength to be able to carry that backpack with a little hat on him so he wouldn't get sunburned and he'd fall asleep. So you'd get to go wherever it was you wanted to go because he'd be sleeping the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the movement. And then we'd wake up as soon as you took him off your back, of course.
2: I would only bring the like, older kids between, I guess, six to nine if you trust that they can listen. Yeah. If you can trust that they can listen then it will be fine. And also have realistic expectations too. Like you don't do the entire trail. (laughs) Definitely not. And that you get advice from the local villagers about which paths are open because sometimes they're closed. And for the most part, it's a
0: pretty easy trek for six to nine-year-old kids. Good advice. (laughs) Our daughter was always fairly compliant. She wouldn't go running to the edges of cliffs or anything like that. She couldn't handle. But regular bribes are important. Oh, Yes. Yeah. You
2: can bribe them with the goal of getting to a particular restaurant. Or oh, also yes. Gelato. Yeah, if that you have foodie
1: children, yes. Or ice cream gelato always works. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah.
2: My four-year-old, he's almost five. The food is so good that this is a four-year-old child that asked for homemade squid ink pasta with lobster. <laughs> <laughs> sophisticated. Okay? and. He's a normal four-year-old child, but the food is that good that they make children fall in love with it too. How many
0: four-year-olds who would really know? He'd call it black pasta, but it's really the squid ink. Well, with my daughter, it was often just about, was it something that we were walking to that she wanted to see? For example, when we were in Germany or when we were in Britain, she was perfectly willing to climb hills, long flights of stairs, whatever, if there was a castle at the end of it, for example, because she loved castles, because princesses castles. yes. So then you could get any amount of walking out of her if it was on the way to something she wanted to see.
1: Well, I've discovered that mine will climb anything just to see the view from the top. And so you have- <laughs> yes, any number of towers that will climb. I'm like, it's the same tower as the one that we just climbed. It'll be the same view. No, 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 we got to go see it. Then you really, really have to take your children to Cinque Terre because okay. there's going to be a lot of climbing. A lot of climbing. And then jumping on rocks, clambering over stuff, all of that. You know, it's just an adventure yeah. in
0: itself. Yeah. yeah, and it's but, lovely if it's a place with playgrounds because then you know when they're overexcited or whatever, they can take them to a playground, let their yayas yeah. Yeah, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah.
2: And I would really encourage if you really are going to go there. There's only one hotel we always go back to, and that's the
1: Hotel Villa Steno. That's the one you stay at because we've been to Liguria, and we have done a day trip to the Cinque Terre. But we stayed in Alasia, which is amazing for little kids because it's so flat. The water <laughs> is. There's no waves and it just goes forever. And by the time you realize your child is like wandering into the water, you have plenty of time to sprint there and rescue a kid in trouble. It's beautiful. And the whole boardwalk is full of gelato and pizzerias. So it's definitely a good kid place. But that's where we stayed when the twins were about three years old. But we only okay. did a day trip to the Cinque Terre.
2: What you just described can also fit the Monterosso Almare, where Villasteno is at.
1: Okay. So there's a nice, calm, sheltered area. Well. Yes,
2: it's flat. Well, not all of it. But what I like about it too is that it kind of teaches the kids grit, right? Resilience and grit in the sense that, okay, there's a lot of stairs. Go walk up the
1: stairs. <laughs> it's not the mommy carry me up the stairs. I'm hot. No, 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 no. You just stare at them and be like, there are stairs. Go get up. We have to okay, go back to the
2: That's the Dutch bell. mom
1: speaking. See, you've learned that's well. A-
2: yeah, in a way, it's like, and they are, keep in mind, the happiest kids in the world. If they're given the idea that they can do things themselves, it, it's character building, I would argue. But we do it in a way that we make them do things when we know that they're not actually tired. We're not going to make a child go climb up 100 steps if they've been out all day. Yes, But if we're just starting the day, then they've eaten They've had a good night's sleep, and they have 100 stairs to climb. My four-year-old is expected to climb the 100 staircase. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah.
0: If you want to do age-appropriate, you don't want to say, you mm-hmm. your four-year-old, you're going to climb this mountain by yourself. No, but, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's age-appropriate independence.
1: Mm-hmm. And Well, with you're going to have quite a different trip coming up, though, Rinar, because you're taking your children with you on your book tour of the U.S.
2: Yes, I'm a bit excited and a bit... And your husband's coming with you as well, it. right?
1: Because it would be quite hard to just have the children on your own.
2: Yeah, we're looking forward to a I think, 12 to 14 hour flight because we're taking direct flight to San Francisco oh. and then flying from San Francisco to New York. And in New York, we're going to visit Philadelphia, too, and also Washington, D.C., and then fly back to Amsterdam. And then a day later, fly back to the U.K. <laughs> Are you to bringing go children to the-, to the U.K., too?
1: hmm Okay, that's a yeah, lot of traveling for little
2: ones. To go to the Swindon Book Fair Festival, because oh, I'm speaking there. Okay,
0: great. It must be really exciting promoting your book like this all over I the place.
2: I think it is. It's, it's, I haven't been home in five years, too, because I couldn't handle putting oh. my little boy, a four-year-old, in an airplane for 12 hours. I couldn't do that to myself or the passengers.
0: <laughs> Don't expect it to be bad. It isn't necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> I've flown with kids enough times. In really? all sorts of places, all sorts of lengths of time. Really, you give them something to do, a yep. tablet, a <laughs> phone, the little seat back screen. Yes. And then they fall asleep. The four slash know? five-year-old will be fine because he'll have a tablet
1: Absolutely. and then he'll sleep. Yeah. The baby might be harder because they don't have as long an attention span. There's only so much <laughs> a Pig they can watch.
2: Yeah. How do you guys handle any major time differences? Because the nine-hour time difference makes me a bit anxious. Do you guys have any tips for that?
0: Ooh.
1: I keep my children up and go straight into the time zone that we land. So okay. if you arrive in the evening, then they go to sleep. If you arrive during the day, they stay up all day, even if they've been up for hours. And oh, we Christ go to bed perfect. at a regular time. And they are such good little flyers now because we've done that since they were babies. Uh-huh. And it really puts them into the right time zone.
0: That's okay. more or less what I did as well.
1: Yeah, it's harsh, but it works. Okay. It'll be tough in the beginning, especially like that first day when they're tired and they want to sleep. You just have to come up with something interesting. And hopefully they're seeing your family and friends and they'll just be too excited to sleep and you can keep them going until We decided to uh, do
2: hotels because of what you posted, Shobha. Which is? You posted something before about why you prefer hotels rather than Airbnbs. Yes. With children,
1: yeah. I think it's easier to keep children occupied in a hotel because there's bound to be a pool, there's bound to be different things. Okay. The quality of the Airbnb, you just don't know until you get there. And it may not be as childproof as they think it is.
0: But with older host. kids, Airbnbs can be great because you can book a whole apartment and it's got a kitchen and it's a home. Yes. And you're not going to bother other guests when yes. they're running wild in the hallway. When they're older, past the point where you really need childproof as much airbnb is uh-huh. really useful
1: yes okay. how long are you in the
2: us for this book tour
0: how long in total will you be away
2: i will be away in total for about 3 weeks
0: with the kids the whole time
2: with the kids the whole time and it's oh, wonderful that your
1: husband nice. come along as well
2: yeah almost oh, definitely and for the most part i'll have plenty of
0: extra babysitters mm-hmm. to help us and the kids will end up spoiled rotten but that's fine it's <laughs> what you do on holiday
1: Frankly, they're also working because they have to show how they and why they're the happiest kids in the world. <laughs> exactly. for your, children, your product demonstration. To- oh, my goodness.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm getting oh. pictures here of you sitting at a table at a book signing in a bookstore with two <laughs> kids with, like, robotic smiles on their faces. <laughs>
1: or you know what children do? They always do the worst thing possible when you want them both. I can see them having complete tantrums, too, just because, oh, I need you to be happy. Uh, uh-uh, Today I'm not happy. <laughs>
2: I brought both my boys to a book reading in The Hague, and my little boy clearly at times said, this is too boring, Mama. <laughs> and then he would just get up in front of He's not shy at all, which I totally love. He would come up to the reading stage and sit on my lap and say, can we please finish now? Do I look happy, Mama? No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't really want to be here anymore. Which is part of what the book philosophy was, right? And letting children be confident enough to say what's on their mind, to express how they yep. feel.
0: They can speak their mind and they're allowed to have an opinion. Mm-hmm. And encouraged. You know I mean? It's not, not, not even allowed. One. It's encouraged to have an opinion. Yeah. Yeah, they're encouraged. They're trying to express their opinion, but they're too young to express it. So they end up melting down and having a tantrum, right? In public, in the supermarket. Classic yes. situation, but in Holland, you'll actually see the parents just stand there and wait. Mm-hmm. They'll just stand there, the kid will be shrieking, and everybody else will be looking at them, but they're looking with sort of a, an understanding smile. We know what you're going through. You know? yeah, like soli- and you, it's and more about stand there and the wait. So, yeah.
1: to be fair, I did that too because I just felt like there's nothing you can do that will embarrass me, so just get it over with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And when I get older and I am need to be like, senile, I am so going to embarrass you, but this is just you, just, you just go on and throw your tantrum in the supermarket, but you just not not getting the candy.
0: But here you won't get the nasty look from people. like oh, yeah, no, I did get those, but children. I was like, I don't care.
2: I lessen tantrums because I follow what they call rust and reichel not, So rest and regularity. The children, basically, their life is so boring that they know exactly what to expect. And I think that's absolutely perfect from the ages of zero to six. Basically, the ages where they can really get into tantrums, because their life is so monotonous and boring, they're they able to. Will be to happy.
1: Sh- you are so yeah. bored. You are happy. You're mind-numbingly happy. I that basically it. They're yeah. so <laughs> bored, right? Because what's
2: really going on in the modern world is that the little children, starting from babies, I'm convinced they actually really are overstimulated. Yeah. Like the whole world is fascinating enough that if you actually create a calm environment, the children are going to have more than enough
0: to be curious about and to discover. Yeah. It really just means predictability. They have a predictable schedule. They get up at the same time every day. They go to school. They might go to preschool two days a week. And the other three days a week, they know what they're going to be doing. And dinner's at the same time every day and so on. Oh, um, I'm it, a it,
1: firm it, believer in schedules yeah. as well. They know what to expect, you know what to expect, and they don't feel so anxious because if when you're little, everything is done for you or to you, they must feel so
0: out of control, like, oh, what do we do next? Which is an advantage of the death child traveling because they'll take them in their caravan and follow the same schedule. Yes, as yeah, they do at that's home. terrific. We didn't do that. And I thought, oh, this is going to throw them off entirely when we go on these vacations and we don't do the caravan thing and we do go out. And have dinner later than normal and that sort of thing but i think because they were used to sort of real consistency and regularity at home they could deal with that change in schedule for a while on vacation with no problem
2: i like how you put it rachel and then maybe that's why they're able to travel everywhere right like wherever you go chances are you'll run into a dutch family
0: everywhere everywhere (laughs)
2: Yeah, that's how actually we were able to take our children on road trips. We'd drive from Utrecht, our area, down to Cinque Terre and make two or three stops along the way. And we rarely had any tantrums. Yeah, That's a
0: long drive. How many days did you take
2: for it? Well, we'd stop in Switzerland and then stop again in
1: northern Italy. It takes us three about days. three whole days. Thank you very much, Rina, for speaking to us. You can read more of Rina's work at Finding Dutchland findingdutchland.com And check out her new book as well, The Happiest Kids in the World. It is already out in Europe and the UK. And will be out in the US in April, I believe. April 4th. Okay. And obviously, the best place to get it is always Amazon. And Thank Rena could is also on social media. And your handles are at, at Rena May. At Rena
2: May. M-A-E. For Twitter, at Rena May. And then for Instagram is Finding Dutchland.
1: Okay. Perfect. Well, thank okay, so you very much. Out. It was wonderful talking and, to you.
2: Thanks, Rina. And, thank, and thank you for having me. You two are incredibly fun to talk to. <laughs> thank
1: you. We try.
0: Thank you for listening to 1001 Travel Tales, stories from seasoned travelers. Shoba George's blog, Just Go Places, is at justgoplacesblog.com. Rachel Heller writes Rachel's Ruminations, which can be found at rachelheller.org.